Blue rod's good for your teeth. Apparently. 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 Allegedly. Allegedly. From all dentists and and medical professionals. Why would I trust someone that sticks their hand in my mouth? Gentlemen, I was like a kid walking through Comic-Con the other day, right? And I don't usually bring much water onto the podcast. And you call me bullshit because I am Aquaman. Yeah. I try and talk about it a lot. No, nah, you're, nah, you're HR now. You're you're human resources. Dude, you make everything about water. Like, we could be drinking, I don't know, whiskey. You're like, you know what goes well with whiskey? Water. water. Like, yeah. oh. I'm going to talk about water. Whis- whiskey and water actually a pretty good drink. Actually, interesting is something that James would probably be aware of. Whiskey tastes different wherever you go because the ice that they make is dependent on the local tap water. So a whiskey, the same whiskey in the same barrel will taste different regardless of where you go around the world. What about if it's just different reservoirs? So a, uh, a cocktail with ice in it in uh, Redfern will be different to one from exactly. in Bankstown. No, no, exactly. Yeah, you're not, you're not yeah. And so they say with, um, with really good whiskey, you've got to import water for it. For the ice to make, which is kind of wild. Anyway, it's, uh, sorry, so now I'm the we, one talking we, about water. We, we digress. <laughs> James, I mean, my topic on water today is talking about my um, plan of how I'm going to drown Sean in water. So I've come up with a technology of like, if it ever pisses me off, how I'm going to like... I believe there's already a vegetable that's called waterboarding, but continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the worst, you can put like a gummy bear at the bottom of like a sink and I'll like, oh, I'll try and go eat it. No, <laughs> I want to use my see, hands. help me out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, like Inten- I said, boys, I was... ice bath. Did you know like 10 people a year die from trying to pull out a plug of the sink with their teeth and they get like their braces stuck there's a weird statistic on it i'll double check it we can use uh, chat gbt to double check that. sounds good That's but yes fine. i went to comic-con or as it's actually called the oswater conference in 2023 it's it like sounds a, so sexy Jimmy. it was it was very sexy so it was just pretty much like an exhibition and what they were showing was just like sort of new technologies coming out in water because like mm. we talk about it quite a bit like energy is our number one scarce resource at the moment and water doesn't fall far behind really mm. not that far behind at all so um, I just kind of went for a walk around, you know, just to see what was out there and what's coming up. And I came across some, a few things that are very similar to what we've talked about on our podcast before. And that's why I wanted to bring it to the show. So the first one being algae. Yeah. So we've talked about algae quite a bit. Patty, can you give me an example of when we talked about algae on the show? Well, uh, I, is it... No, I can't. Um, algae, um, it's like seaweed. I don't know. It's what you say. Oh, it's it's bottom of, bottom of a bathtub. I don't know. I know someone no. in Newtown who would be very disappointed. Oh, yeah. Newtown Brewery, obviously. When it comes to beer, I'm surprised you forgot about this one, Timmy. Very, very good man. I forget. Richard. Richard. We got to call him up. Yeah, the co-founder of Young Henry's. I love Richard. Richard's my good I told that story about how Young Henry's became a name because of the story he told us. It's a really good story. Anyways, continue. So algae and, is a big one. Yeah, and the second podcast was on algae crate, and now I'm bringing algae back into this effectively in its purpose to eat poop. Algae has a purpose to eat poop, and it sounds very, I guess, gross at the start, but it's actually yeah. very interesting on how it does it. So when I first like got interested in water, I um, was very like thrown off by something here about how they were using recycled water to drink over in the States. And one mm. of the case studies they did was on fish. And they were finding a lot of fish were dying because this recycled water was going into like the fish habitats and killing them because it had a, not enough nutrients to survive, or like the oxygen. Not, nece- not necessarily. That's the problem on its own. But increased levels of estrogen. In right. a similar topic, they found that um, workers were testing positive to cocaine, even though they claimed to never use the drug before. Minute dosing, right? From so the what? Water. What, what I mean, they that's, found? That's what, that's what every finance bro says as well when they get, have to do a drug that, test. But whatever. That, 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 that's exactly right. So what? Um, what this algae actually does is break down these complex organics because what happens is the recycled water 
eventually goes back into the drinking water system and people are having these trace levels of organics. So really, really hard to break down. So effectively, like they had this technology and it was like on a roller thing um, that had like algae populations on it. And the guy who was there kind of explained it to be like Nazis, which was a bit weird. What? So what they do is they expose the algae to sunlight because as you know, that's how algae likes to grow. Yeah. And then they expose it to periods of dark. And the way he like explained it was like, yeah, we no. torture the algae for a bit because it makes them repopulate very quickly when it's back in the sun. And I'm just like, okay, interesting. that's interesting. So, so it's changing the environment to create... To get, I guess, force the mutation to grow faster—not the mutation, but the, the the cycle that they need to grow quickly in in short periods of time to fill the gap that you need. The heaps of algae. In Correct. A short, yeah. It's like sunlight I, it's, it, makes it, algae horny. Who would have thought? Well, it's like it's <laughs> like no, no, no. The the it, the blue balls and then the sun release of sunlight makes them very horny. Ah, that's, that's the interpretation. Okay. I continue. think they are the same level of horniness, but when you're told you, it's like imagine a trooper who gets one month. Uh, of service and then one day off. What that? What are they going to do in that one day? <laughs> I don't want to know, but uh, sh- maybe James can explain it. It's like beer brewing, right? It's like your yeast in beer brewing. It's like making the conditions for them to like get horny and overpopulate and make good beer oh, is gosh. effectively what they're doing for this algae. But Richard, thank you. Yeah. Uh, what I what I <laughs> found great about this is there's, there's no difference to like actual water treatment. What we do is we get rid of nutrients, so all the bad stuff of the environment we take out. Usually, bugs eat the poop and they get rid of the bad stuff. So that stuff is still happening. But the algae is actually making it much easier for them. So it's breaking down effectively what we call food. We give food to bacteria. The food eat it. They get rid of the nutrients. Like I said, the algae is making that much easier. What I found interesting about the tech is the rolling part that was on it didn't use a motor because it's using full off-grid solar um, and very energy efficient. Not using motors at all. It's using just little bubbles of air. Right, okay. And my question to the guy was, hey, like, is this bubbles for the air? used to introduce oxygen because you need oxygen for this process. You imagine so, yeah. And he just goes, no, it's being used to turn the motor around. Sorry, not the motor, um, to turn like the cylindrical um, like moving part around. And I'm like, so you're not using a motor? He just goes, no, just... So they, so they have like the opposite of a turbine where where the turbine spins water and pushes it out. You're using air to hit like the turbine blades and that causes it to move? Exactly right. Interesting. Yeah, very slowly because you're trying to give it that like 16 hours or 12 hours a day of sunlight and then just pretty much neglecting it from any light at all. Yeah, right. Or using solar power. It's completely off-grid. It's reduced the life cycle cost by about 80%, and they're using it in full scale <laughs> in the USA. And I did ask the guy, I'm like, hey, does this have anything to do with that like um, estrogen story? I didn't bring up the cocaine one because I'm like, it's probably not appropriate to talk about it at a professional conference. No. But, yeah. uh, maybe. I don't know. Well, I mean, Depends. some of these if it's guys a financial event, I'm sure you'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Banks so that, and lawyers. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that, that one was. That's how engineers stay awake for so long. No, 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 no. We stay awake because caffeine, mate. I dare you uh, to go to an engineering. We stay awake conference. because we stay away from women. <laughs> we become wizards, become magical <laughs> beings. There's a correlation. Love, loving the D and D. Yep. Sad but true. But yeah, yeah, um, like coming away from water and coming back into this as a tech, I found it very interesting. They could use this in one aquaculture, so like pretty much like helps with like fertilizations and whatnot so basically taking mass productions of the nitrates and phosphates we talked about that as like plants growing um and as well as getting rid of like heavy metals and all that sort of stuff and high oxygenated water Hmm. the second one was abattoir wastewater so like your slaughterhouses and whatnot produce quite Uh, a bit of water um you know they can use the same system to get rid of all like the like Pretty much yeah, and that and stuff, stuff can be quite hard to break down quickly. Extremely like, hard. If anyone's yeah. had a like a really big steak, you're not feeling good for two days. So, well, <laughs> it's interesting you say that. Like when um like the COVID lockdowns happen and businesses shut down, 
what happened to like the mass amounts of oil and stuff that went into like the drain like it had to have gone somewhere right mm. it would have shocked the system so if you had a system similar to this you could have helped break down that and made the process much more fast-tracked rather than uh blocking pipes in in the whole world's network which would have been disastrous all these little things we don't consider yeah. when you have like mass lockdowns oh like, yeah something just to, to things that people consider flushable wipes are not flushable don't get me started on this next yeah next yeah. one because i don't want to get into that the third one was uh, <laughs> agriculture this is my favorite one because now farmers have all these stringent policies they have to follow of not discharging like um, nutrients in their runoff water yeah because it's in the environment yeah. so um, what you can do with this system is actually put it at a farm effectively or near a farm so it's like here you I can get put out my the like, source get out of my source and then it can go down the drain so they avoid that whole like oh, so that that pre-treatment to the wastewater I guess so they, you make it so it is actually acceptable to put down the drain exactly right and it's, it's one of our biggest like environmental pollutants is nutrients like I think hydroponics is a good thing you can yeah. do but it's just it's really hard to do hydroponics on large scale compared to like um what you've got to have to have a reason for it like you've got to be either in a desert or on the moon or where shipping something is just not possible um yeah. for it to be it's just it's just economically the setup and the operations is too expensive compared to a normal large scale farm yeah 100 yeah. percent all right the next technology i found cool we're coming into the realm of drinking water now so like oh i do love my drinking water yeah uh, like yum. We, we get a lot of our drinking water from dams at the moment, but there are desal plants that like, you know, are using... Oh, yeah. I was membrane. Gonna, I'll ask something on this, but I'll let you finish, yeah. sorry. They use like membrane filters to take out the salt and all the other nasties. What's a membrane filter? A membrane. So like, have you ever drink and drunk, drunk tap water that's like extremely clean, for example? Like, so has do you have like a tap on your fridge at home? No, but I, is it, would it be like one of those taps that would be right next to, you know, your sink or something that is like, for drinking water or no? not necessarily like imagine a shit ton of like cloth or like cotton like material it's not exactly cotton and you just pack that together really really tightly and you wrap it around like a lot of clad wrap it'll be like filtered water yeah feel exactly it's, filtered okay. water. but it's 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 higher than that is this reverse osmosis membrane so i'm going to talk about ultra filtration but very right, okay. similar so it uses yeah. the same materials it's just a lot more dense yeah so you need like a lot of pressure to overcome it so we use that to pretty much get desalinated water and, you know, get really clean drinking water down in Kernel. I think they were supplying quite a bit of that into the water network. But anyway, there was this um, actually company who I'm getting a guest coming on our podcast soon from this company to talk about some other stuff, but they're mm. using AI infiltration. So me being like an AI nerd saw that and I was just like, no, I want to go see this now. So yeah. they're a Japanese company like, hey, we got sake tasting going on right now. Do you want? I'm like, no, tell me about AI. I don't want to know. I don't want to drink any sake. You can sake later. Yeah. <laughs> sake later, AI now. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, just, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh God. I just got it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Jimmy, you're, you're a smart man. You couldn't multitask. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Have There's AI. no such thing as multitasking. When it comes it's AI. called attention dividing. Okay. Right, okay. Right, yeah. So yeah. what I found interesting with this AI is with these filters, you have to like clean them quite periodically. Mm-hmm. Um, they do what's called like a back flush with air to get all like the stuff that accumulates in the filter. Just get rid of that. Because like, it's like your car, right? This is where you get your car service, like the soot and stuff that builds up in an engine yeah. and like your pipe. Eventually you get that service, do an oil change and whatnot. Effectively, you've got to do the same thing with these, uh, with these membranes, but it's hard to pick up the right, exact right time to do it. And if you leave it too late, your membrane's gone. It's effectively, mm-hmm. it's too late. You've got stuff that's like trenched inside of it. You've got to replace the whole thing after a while. So it puts that life cycle down. What the AI is doing is it's sort of being trained on the data that us humans are giving it. And they gave it like in, in a model four hours of testing, not in the membranes, but like in an old pump system 
to sort of figure out what's the instruments telling me that is predicting something to go wrong. So what we do in like normal industry, we will go and change things out based on us reading trends. Like, so we look at a table, we look at a graph and we go, hey, that doesn't look quite right. Let's go and fix it. The AI is doing that three hours before the human. So it's detecting little differences in patterns and going, hmm, something's not looking quite right. It's not wrong yet, but I'm thinking you should go and check that out. Right, okay. So so it's testing at a higher frequency than a human would because we're humans and we make human error. Um, um, and then it's giving you a prognosis possibly ahead of time. So it's, I mean, a, a long confidence interval, a long... Yeah. Um, within error ranges. So it's just I, testing it far more frequently yeah, and providing the information more often. The, exactly right. But the best way I could give an analogy is like you guys have all seen a graph of what like your heartbeat looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like a do, 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 do. every now and again, you might get an extra beat and it'll look like two sort of triangles on, on the, the heart graph, right? And at that point, you're like, you have an arrhythmia, you need to get a pacemaker because your heart's not acting right. What the AI doing, is doing, it hasn't actually picked that, that double beat yet. It's picking up like these minute differences in your heartbeat looking into it in a lot more detail Mm. and predicting that you're going to have an arrhythmia so at this point your heart hasn't had an extra beat yet but it it can predict that it's going to if that makes sense of what i'm trying to say in a similar sense is predicting with the technology it's like hey something's wrong you have to go and replace it which i found incredible like it's you know not just in water but ai in general how much is going to help with maybe servicing your car, for example, or, you know, servicing your fridge. If all like IoT systems and AI systems could be implemented cheaply, you'd never, yeah. you're like the cost of maintenance and all these things would drop quite dramatically. So um, it's, that was interesting to me. The fact that it actually teaches itself its own consequences and right. goes, I fucked up here, I fucked up there. Now I know, you know, as humans, we're always going to make human error. It doesn't matter how many times yeah. you screw up. You're always your margin of error is always going to be noticeable to some yeah. sort of extent. But the the thing that I think with this and the the wider range that it can do, or the idea that behind it of testing more regularly and then making a prediction before it happens, yeah. So you don't need to be reactive. You're being productive. Correct. Yeah. You yeah. Again, it doesn't have to be for just this thing in in membrane pipes. You can imagine. Yeah, you're right. If you did it in your car or servicing, so instead of doing six months servicing. Could you make it cheap enough to do it? And the, and then what you just mentioned was correct that you could learn from your own mistake, but you can also learn from others' mistake, right? Yeah. You could because it's not just one AI system doing one item and learning from it. It'll, the same way the Tesla cars are learning how driving works from yes. around the world, they're sharing the collective experience. So not only are you learning at the normal rate, you're learning at the same rate of a thousand people doing it at the same time, like a shared hive mind. So you're right. Imagine if you're like, oh, actually, you should change your car filter before it blows up. Yeah. Or, um, oh, there's a bit of a missing fuel additive. Or your fridge is like, actually, there's a chance that we're getting close to the range of where you need to replace the refrigerant now. Mm. Um, I, I did want to touch on the car one a bit more because like, when you have your servicing, right? You, everyone's got it on your car. You've got at this many kilometers going yeah, and service your car. time, yeah. And like, more than likely, at least for me anyway, I've got, I'm driving a 20-year-old car even longer than that. Something's always wrong every single time but if you Mm -hmm. had like a lot of cars are driven by computers now so like they have computer modules in them and like mechanics will read it off a computer to say this is what's wrong with your car but having an ai to say i would take this here now because i reckon in about three months you're gonna have a problem with your oil filter or something back on the tesla example like if you have to like you know your your battery's starting to wear down you can get an extra three to five years out of your battery life just by the ai saying hey yeah, your battery's fine now. Hard. Yeah, exactly right. Actually, that's a good one with the Tesla because if it realizes, if it, you drive for it, it goes, okay, your driving profile is not what we expected. Most people drive 40Ks a day. 
Yeah. You're driving it like 100Ks once a week. You're putting your foot down like yeah. every time and you're, you're gunning going it. Out. It's like, oh, if that, you're doing it this way, don't charge your battery up to 100%. Correct. Wait five days and gun us. Charge it to 70% because you're not using us that much. It could provide you more recommended or personalized data to improve your specific car based on the a plethora of a hive or a database collection. That's quite cool. Yeah. I think that's good for AI. This is like good AI. This is like not a non-evil AI. Non-intrusive AI, yes. It is suggestive, not directive AI, which is what people are fucking terrified of. It's data collection AI, right? Like it's collecting data and learning from it. Like you can even give it your own information and it'll find out how to break that Mm. down, which is like, yeah, that's why I had to bring it to the show because I'm like, this is not just like... It's not, yeah, it's it's a it's a foot in the door for something a lot bigger. Yeah. Absolutely correct. So a lot, of, a lot of places are like looking into this, but like the same company, and we, the, this is why I want to get our guests on, was talking about some water treatment plants have like solar and wind farms on their plant. So what happens uh-huh. is in drought conditions where like you have bushfires and the grid grows down, the actual treatment plant itself can provide like local energy to a virtual power plant or something and something I don't understand myself something Sean could talk more yeah. about in a later a later episode but yeah I found that quite good but upcoming guest on that ladies and gentlemen very excited I mean you've gone to a water conference and the water conferences are very bright eyed and future looking so let's ask about the future so what is the future of water look like at current pace and what do we really need to make changes to in terms of technology to make sure that enough people get water in Australia and then let's talk global. Is there a, Will there be an increase in fluoride or no? The fluoride yeah. is not something, not a con- we aren't up to the conspiracy podcast yet, Patty. We'll not talk there about fluoride. fluoride in the water. There's fucking there is fluoride. Well, yeah, it's, yeah. it's well known. Yeah. But it's not a conspiracy. But, but why would they change the amount of fluoride? I, guess? Yeah. I don't Fluoride's know. Fluoride's good for your teeth. I don't know. Apparently. 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 Allegedly. Allegedly. Will, from all dentists I, I, and, <laughs> and a, medical professionals. And why would I scientists. trust someone that sticks their hand in my mouth? Like, Yeah, actually, that's a good question. A dentist makes more money for bad teeth. Why would you listen to their advice? Exactly. <laughs> mm, um, interesting. 42. <laughs> anyway, well, what, was, uh, what was your question? Yeah, I, did, I did want to oh, go back is, into Sean's question. Like, what's yeah. the future of water? I mean, like... I see the future of water very similar to the future of energy. There's going to be a shortage of water. Like there's going to, like yeah. right now there's a shortage of energy. Um, you know, we'll have more people coming into the population. Um, we're having a, a change in our environment. So like climate change is making this arguably worse because you're having a lot more flood events happening. So you're having um, mm. a lot more water coming into the network and whatnot. So what I found interesting um, just from a broader sense is with these floods, you're having a lot of organics being flooded in to the water system, right? Yeah. A lot of runoff. A lot of things that weren't predicted to be needing to filter out. Things that, because of floods happening more regularly, yeah. that we have to deal with more often than previously. Yeah, not so much like the fil- the filtering out is a big part of it, mm. but how you deal with the stuff going into like your water network, for example, how you break that stuff down. Um, because like your, your traditional treatment methods you've got, they don't work as effectively when you have stuff coming in that you haven't predicted, for example. Mm-hmm. And I can only touch on this like quite a bit because it's such a broad topic, but like yeah. the, the chemicals you use to dose, like you need to find new chemicals, you need to find different dosing regimes. So a lot more research has to go into there. And that's on the drinking water side of it. Yeah. Like on the wastewater side, we're going to have like a higher amount of oil and whatnot, be, especially if like oil plants start to decommission as renewables take over, for example, because yeah. that stuff needs, like, there's a lot of waste that gets held on site periodically yep. gets dumped. So imagine, and this is why, like, we couldn't turn off every natural glass plant tomorrow because where's that stuff going to go, right? Like, if you had to put a lot of, like, oil and gas waste down the drain, like, where do you think, like, hypothetically, where would it go? 
into the, into the soil. I mean, system. I'm not too across that much waste from natural gas plants and oil plants only operate like 0.1 percent of the year so i'm not too aware even, of even like food processing facilities oh that's all different. these places yeah. have waste like I, yeah, yeah again i can't speak to like so natural gas is an assumption that when you produce it there's going to be a lot of like gas like a lot it's of mostly co2 waste. it's mostly gas so it's not liquid form okay. as far as i'm concerned most of the pollution is not liquid it's it's just gas and pumped into the air the point being is we're going to have a, a, a higher increase of pollutants um that need to be treated somehow yeah. just by like you know increasing population increasing waste how do you deal with that and like i think same yeah. with climate change the way we've predicted an increase like you know an increasing temperature we've sort of undershot with population worldwide like this is not yeah. just in the water industry but that it will come into effect this in water as well yeah and i've got some facts here i actually looked up unicef because i wanted to figure out what is the water look like now and what it'll look like in the future so at current this is current information and then and projections as well so currently four billion people two-thirds of the world's population experience severe water scarcity for at least one month of the year yeah two-thirds of the world have had now tight water and the thing is uh, that is a lot of the time it's developing nations. I don't think believe that's the correct terminology now. I need to double check it. Um, but there's also places in the US. I mean, we can talk about like Flint and whatnot and the water yeah. supply there where they've had no good water for a year. It's an awful. Um, beyond that, um, 2 billion people live in countries where water supply is inadequate. That's, yeah. that's huge. Half of the world's population could be living in areas facing water scarcity by earliest 2025. Yeah, 100%. 700 million people will are likely to be displaced by water scarcity, usually driven by climate change. 700 million. Yeah. And by 2040, one in four children worldwide will be living in areas of extreme water stress. So if that is a pretty bleak <laughs> forecast. The, the if that was the weather for the weekend, I wouldn't go camping. Um, what is the solution um, that you see coming forward and is there any technology that might be able to there's there's two main solutions so like i can speak for australia in the uk we built our water systems many many years ago Mm. like 40 to 80 years ago in australia we started Uh, with busby's bore where after the first fleet landed for example that was effectively where everything started and we built a water network around that the uk is completely different with how they've built theirs but to answer your question you either build new infrastructure or modify the existing infrastructure we have they're the only two solutions using innovations that have come out so such as so the one i want to talk about is a, a watertight robot using for cleaning and whatnot so with all the infrastructure the stuff gets dirty quite a bit yeah and you have to clean that stuff out to effectively increase the reliability to increase the treatment but to clean something you have to turn it offline you have to get people in there which is kind of dangerous and it takes a while so you lose capacity one of the other interesting technologies i saw was literally like robotics that are on tracks that go inside these tanks clean it with no human intervention while the tank is still online and it just avoids human entry completely so that was something to me which was like quite incredible so yeah it's cool because these are huge reservoirs for example that are holding our water and they need to be cleaned out because that's where drinking water is coming from Mm -hmm. it's where your wastewater is being treated so that to me was like a little innovation not something that's going to solve the issue but something that i found um incredible I mean, robotics in in wastewater is, is is really interesting. And I think in Australian and English and US and Canadian and developed nations context, you're right. 700 million people might not even have basic water, let alone basic water cleaning. Yeah. So what is the solution to basic water supply? Like you're talking about third world countries, for example? I'm talking about two thirds of the world, yes. Pretty much, it's pretty much deploying treatment 
treatment sites and waste treat water yeah. over in third world countries like we can't do anything locally yeah. like you've got to you've got to push that treatment over there you need it there needs to be some sort of international funding to get it done because like mm. th- that's very basic stuff right right there. yeah you have to somehow rearrange like the water network you have to somehow yeah. build new infrastructure you need money to do that so yeah. that, that's a global problem would this be under the probably the guides of like the UN and a lot of those international groups. I don't think like the UN's more a peacekeeping sort of organization, um, right? Like water, you need water to keep the peace. Well, but there's the, the UN ki- peacekeepers, which is a, a, a like a peacekeeping core, sure. But the UN itself is by far a bipartisan organization more than um, peacekeeping. Uh, its idea is to dialogue between countries. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know how the UN started, but I always think it started from wars and conflicts between countries and I they decided it, we pr- have to come together. I'm pretty sure it started after unity. World War II. Yeah. Um, it could, like, I don't know the answer to that. It could be, like, funded, not funded, but it could be pushed by the UN. I mean, like, the UN's a society. It's not anyway got money. It's got collective funds, but it hasn't got enough to support countries unless yeah. another country offers to help another. Imagine it's like the dining room table and you're there with your cousins. It's, it's not like... The dining room table has money. You have money that you can give to your cousins or your cousins can give to you. But I, that I, table is where you come and talk about it. Yeah. I see it as like yeah. the world's largest social service in a way. Absolutely not. You don't agree? The United Nations is nothing but fucking talk. And I, I say this because I went to the United Nations in my university times. I saw it. I asked them what I could do. And they said, we're still discussing it. And went, no, we'll pass yeah. the discussing point. What can we do? And they just kept giving us, oh, we'll, we'll keep thinking of options. I'm like, can we... Can we like put our mm. foot out of ass and do something? Yeah. The United Nations is by far the biggest talky talky group ever. There's a reason there's nothing but lawyers, like sponsored uh, employees, and diplomats who go. There's very few engineers that go. There's very few scientists that go. The ones who do go get overruled by the diplomats. I'll talk to them in another that's, podcast. That's technically a social service, is it not? They're not they don't have Absolutely any money to give money. not. They don't no. have money to give funding. They don't have people. No, doing social services with- is there to provide a service. United Nations is there to provide dialogue. They're very mm. different. Okay. You, you go to housing service and they just say, we'll talk about your housing problem. Then there's an issue. That, that would be like the comparison that you're trying to make. They're so you're different. saying the UN can't set a guideline? Okay. Um, they can set an uh, overall goal. Has any of the United Nations ever hit one of their collective goals? No. I say if they set a goal that's decent, that is... I mean, there are certain things like the Montreal Protocol, which did reduce uh, CFCs yeah. in the atmosphere, which was good because they realized we were killing themselves. Tell me one other time the United Nations goal has been achieved. I'm not here to tell you how many times a goal is here to achieve, but I'd argue that's providing a service. It's not a social service. That's I, a big difference. A service and a social mm, service are like... I, I've always thought that yeah. the UN was, I guess... I mean, I was always hoped it would be about all the countries coming together to help each to other agree on out. A, to agree on a solution. But, Correct. Yes, yeah. dialogue. But, I yeah. guess that there's a lot more dialogue than actual action sometimes. Yeah. Right. So to, to end, so, I guess... But, no, end- well, that, that's what you're going off. I don't know if that's actually true. I haven't seen okay. enough videos online or watched enough YouTube or what, seen enough in the yeah. news about I mean, the a UN. great example is the United Nations have called for the arrest of Vladimir Putin. Has Vladimir Putin been arrested? How do you arrest... Yeah. Okay, let's, 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 <laughs> so let's, bring, let's, let's, let's bring it back. So yeah. based on the descriptions we've got... We'll there, talk about that in another podcast. Does that sound like a social service? Let's yeah. arrest that man. No, no, no. We'll talk about that on another yeah, yeah. podcast. Ba- based on the descriptions we had, technically, yes. Like, countries could come together and be like, look, this third world country is literally... Or a sec- even a yeah. second world country is not going to have water. You know, can you deploy some engineers over here? Can you deploy some level of funding to build some infrastructure because everywhere's going to get rain some places get rain more than others but 
it's like energy you can store it you can transport it and then you can utilize it so mm. where it rains you simply store it you simply build an infrastructure to transport it and treat it get all the nasties out of it and effectively it's drinking water so it's like to answer your question it's not a difficult solution like i could think of solutions all around the world to deploy it's just getting the policymakers to agree on something i mean if it wasn't difficult why is two-thirds of the world currently experiencing water scarcity my like, only thing i can think of is policymakers haven't agreed on international funding to help these third world countries out yeah that's that's well the, i guess not yeah, the thing science, is it's yeah. like why pay for your neighbor's fence i guess exactly like, why why should we pay for someone's um water bill down the street if yeah. it doesn't affect me or my own, why should I do it? It's not my backyard mentality, which yeah. is poor. We're all civilization. It, it, it does come down to like international politics. So I don't know. Like I, yeah. I don't do my, I don't care about that stuff, to be honest. I wish I did mm. more, but I don't have the yeah, mental capacity enough. to, like my thing as an engineer, I want to just like think of how I can do it like in, yeah. immediately. So to me, that's an international problem yeah. that I'll have to get oh, solved. For me, this problem is about um, economics and engineering. Economics and engineering. The thing yeah. is like most problems in the world are just come down to those two things. Policy overlapping. Yeah. I mean, we've both read the, we've both read yeah. the book Sapiens. We've, we've read um, Stephen Hawking's yeah. book. There's all the technologies there to do it. And that's what I've talked about in this, yeah. in this episode today. But it's just, how do you convince the man with the money in his pocket to make the decision? Oh, that's woman. That's, uh, that's 2023, man. But it is 2023, <laughs> sorry, but sorry. yeah, I'm just being being, no, no, no. being colloquial here. Yeah, which, yeah right. we cancel shouldn't be. Him. Yeah, cancel um, this man. Cancel this man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, to take away from the point, you're you're right. It's it's convincing. The thing is, basic water is part of the United Nations Sustainability Goals. I think it's either 14 or 16. Climate yeah. change is up there. Affordable eating, water. These are actually genuinely good goals, but they don't do anything to solve them. They just say, here's some goals you guys should go for, but it doesn't do anything about it. I agree that United Nations should... Well, I want the United Nations to do more. Do they do good work? Yeah, they could do, just do a lot more. But you're right. If, if we just had a genuine conversation, because a lot of these countries, while we deal with climate change and whatnot they're just dealing with how to survive how to get good water and food and basic yeah. infrastructure to get even close to our level they're not even considering um, they're still drinking the, like water from like yeah. groundwater from wells not, for example they don't consider like renewable energies when it's like i just want energy well that's, well that's the thing is i remember when i was in india and we were doing like uh working in slums and we we're like guys you can't be using like wood to cook for your food you know how much smoke and like bad um, gases and like knocks and socks get into your house and then they kill your children. I went, well, if we don't use the wood, we starve. Yeah. What do we do here? And then we never came up with a good answer. The, the problem is we needed to raise the amount of poverty so they didn't you think this was had to be an option to be made. That they didn't need to worry about long-term health effects if it meant they had to like suffer now to eat. Yeah. And that, was, that was something that we always struggled with. There wasn't a perfect solution. That is where engineering economics is a bit of a gap of understanding what humanity is like that we don't consider when it comes down to everything being numbers but in terms of water scarcity i i think you're right if we get enough if we just get the right engineering in i guess i was hoping yeah, it was I'm, there something that was dropping down the is, is there is there like some groundbreaking technology that's yeah. going to solve it there's never going to be like it's already here we've got yeah. like i said membranes you've got desal plants okay. you can build really simple like they are energy intensive but as you know the cost of energy it's can down. go down yeah. like with innovation in your sector yeah. in your sector we ha we know how to treat water we know how to make it clean like the mm. knowledge is there you don't need to reinvent the wheel here like the, the solution is there the technology we use to treat water is energy efficient yeah. like it's not like it's bad it doesn't pollute the environment um yeah, so it's technically cleaning the environment to a degree <laughs> exactly right so yeah like to me we're there technologically the technology will get better like you know all it is in water is reducing the footprint reducing the mm. size and i can talk about the technology like you know for example those bugs i talked about that eat poop and 
you know, yeah. take away the nutrients. So that uses a lot of footprint now. We now have technologies where that can be done in one tank. Everything's inside one mm. tank. So that will have its knock-on effects, right? You're using less land to do it yeah. and so on. A lot of these places, it's like, how are you going to build something over like, you know, people don't even have houses to live yet. Now you want to use a land for infrastructure. So to me, that's, that's a solution mm. in itself. So yeah, like I don't have the solution. I just yeah. I hope the man or the woman pays some money out of their pocket. Just to, say person. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've just excluded all the other genders now. <laughs> and everything in between and outside. Okay. Any, anywho, any, any other points? That's it, boys. All right. you enjoyed it. All right, see you next time. Yeah. Thanks for listening. To see more Engineering Dads content like this, head to our YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and I'll link below to see our other projects. Have a good one.